Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Welcome to Foothills Christian Church. I'm so glad that all of you are here today on campus and all of you who are doing church at home. We're very excited that uh, you are a part of who we are. We are Foothills Christian Church. And just so that you know, I have conquered COVID. So I'm COVID, you know, free. There's two ways to get vaccinated. I took the hard route. I suggest you take the easy route. But uh, we're a church where you can belong, you can be a part, uh, whether you're on campus or you're at home doing church. And we have some specific goals for you as a church. Number one is we want you to discover the real Jesus. A lot of people are saying a lot of things about Jesus, lots of claims about Jesus. So we want to go to the source so that you can know Jesus for yourself. Second of all is we want you to be able to understand the Bible. And what we mean by that is that we want you to be able to understand what was said and the people who it was written to and what they heard when it was written to them. That's really important because it kind of helps you understand the purity of what's going on. And then how, once you do that, you're able to apply the principles to your every day life. And then finally, we want you to be in a family. We want you to be in a community. One thing that COVID has taught us is that doing life on your own is really tough, uh, particularly if you get in a situation where you're isolated and you're all on your own. It's not good. So we want you to be a part of a family. We want you to, to connect. We want you to be in community. We want you to be able to grow in faith. So that's what our church is about. And so I am so glad that you are here. If you're new and visiting with us, We're very excited that you are are being a part. Now, we've been doing a new study in Galatians. And the thing about Galatians is it's kind of a tough book to to understand, especially if you read it a lot, is that it's a book about rules, basically. And so what it is, is it's about, okay, what rules uh, are, what they're like, why we have them, the importance of them, but also how do you know which ones to follow, which ones you shouldn't follow? Are there good rules, bad rules? I mean, it's just all about the nature of rules. And in the book of Galatians, Paul wrote a letter to the people living in the various towns in Galatia, which is modern day Turkey. And he kind of has underneath the principle, an underlying premise, the law of non-contradiction. Now, this is kind of a philosophical term. It refers to uh, what people use in logic. And that is you can't believe things that contradict one another because it ends up messing with your life. Now, we all kind of live that way already, right? It's like, for instance, um, you meet someone, you fall in love. They say, let's get married. So then you have this big wedding ceremony and you go on your honeymoon and then you come back and your spouse says, Hey, you know what? Now that we got this wedding thing out of the way, I'm ready to go see other people. And you look at them and you go, uh, that's unmarried lifestyle. You're now married. You kind of have to pick or choose, you know? I mean, we do that all the time. Uh, our, our kids grow up, Uh, We love our kids. We do so much for our kids. And then they learn how to drive, right? 
And so what do you do is they get their brand new driver's license. And so generally, you know, today you've kind of bought them a car or helped them buy a car because the money that they've saved to buy the car really came from you providing them work to do to earn the money for the car, right? So you, so, so you you help with that. You pay for their insurance. You pay for their, their, uh, uh, driver's ed. You pay for all this stuff. They get their driver's license and they look at you at that, that young age of 16 and they go, you know, I just want mom and dad, you know, that I am now proclaiming my emancipation from your rules and laws. And I'm just going to do whatever I want. Cause I have a driver's license now. Right. So, so I go, and then you go, okay, living on your own, living with your parents, you get one or the other, you don't get both. If you want to emancipate, then you can pay for everything, your food, your clothing, your shelter. Suddenly it doesn't seem like such a great deal. Now we live in the law of non-contradiction all the time, but you know, here's something really interesting about the law of non-contradiction. And that is whenever you look at your life and you look at stuff you're struggling with, when you look at issues that you're trying to work through, or you're trying to figure out an answer to something, or you got a conflict and you don't know how to resolve it. The reason why is because you have two values or two things going on in your life that contradict each other. And that's when we live out of kilter. We don't have peace. We don't have clarity. We don't have focus. And so the thing is, is that how do you know for your own personal life when you're believing something that contradicts something else you believe? How do you know that? How do you know a law or a rule shouldn't be followed even when you believe it yourself? How do you know that? Well, let's go to a general sense and try to answer that question a little bit. And that is, is that there are some laws throughout history that have been around that turned out to be unjust and they were overturned. In ancient Rome, there was a law that if you were the paterfamilias, meaning you were the man of the family, you could marry your daughter to somebody. And if you didn't like him, you could unmarry her and marry her to somebody else, and she couldn't say a thing about it. That was a law. They had another law too, and that is, is that if you were defeated in battle, you lost every right to self-governance, and you would be a slave. So they could take you as a slave. And as a slave, you had zero rights as a human being. Here's another law that turned out to be very unjust and it was overturned and it was called Ju Prima Noctis. And it was in uh, the Middle Ages, probably the 13th, 14th century. And what this law basically stated is that if a young man and a young woman got married, on the night that they got married, the king or the lord of the land could sleep with the new bride before her husband. So it was legalized rape. This law was on the books for over a hundred years before it was overturned. Not many people followed that one. Here's, here's the law in America. Now, I want you to understand something about, I love America and I love the values and the principles on which it has been founded. I think it's, it's an amazing experiment, which I, I am deeply patriotic about that. But you may not know this, but in 1857, do you know when the Civil War happened 
It happened in 1861 to 1865. So this is about three, four years before the Civil War. There was a man who was black, who lived in the North, and they wanted to send him back to the South, back into slavery. And so he sued in court, and the Supreme Court passed a new law. It was called the Dred Scott decision. And the Dred Scott decision nullified the Missouri Compromise. And it basically said there's no way we'll ever have a political resolution to the issue of slavery. And the actual uh, law said, if you're black, you can't ever be an American citizen because you are not fully human. Now, it's interesting because Many Americans complied with this law. One of the things that happened quite often, there was a thing called an Underground Railroad, and if people could escape the states in the South and get to a northern state where slavery had been abolished, guess what? This law from the Supreme Court demanded that you would have to send that person back no matter what. And so most Americans complied with that law because that was the law of land, except for this really stubborn group of people. You know who those people were who said, we don't care what the law is, we're not following it. It was the church. It was Christians who said, we're not following it because it is an unjust law. Here's another law that was passed, and this is called Buck versus Bell, and this was in 1927. Now, 1927, what you need to remember a little history here is that World War I was like 1915 to 1918. It was over. Then World War II came, and we didn't enter into World War II until December 4 of 1941 with the attack on Pearl Harbor. But the rise of Nazism and the rise started in about 33, okay? And then it got really big in the late 30s. They were dominating all of Europe. Well, in 1927, in America, we passed a law, uh, the Supreme Court, Buck versus Bell, and it was in an eight to one decision. So in the Supreme Court, that's kind of a landslide type deal. And you know what it was? Is that you could forcibly sterilize people with mental disabilities. It was a eugenics law. And a eugenics law is basically this, is what we want to do is we want to have a pure genetic pool. So we're going to eliminate anybody with genetic deformities or mental deformities or what we would claim that so that our genetic pool is healthier and stronger. So who actually based their entire empire on the principle of eugenics? That's right. The Nazis did. Where did, you, where, where did they pass a law for eugenics first? In the United States of America. What about in 1944, there was the law of uh, Korematsu versus the United States. The Supreme Court upheld the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II because they found that protecting the need against espionage outweighed an American citizen's civil liberties. We could talk about Plessy versus Ferguson, Roe versus Wade. We could talk about these laws that are passed. How did all these laws get turned over though? How do we know that they were unjust? How do we know that you don't, 
we shouldn't follow these laws. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. How did you know that? Well, the reason why we knew that is because these laws were in direct, in direct contradiction to the Constitution of the United States of America. They were in direct contradiction to the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. Like the Dred Scott decision where it says, all men are created equal and endowed with their creator with unalienable rights. So you pass this law and you go, okay, here's what this says. This is a direct contradiction of that. You see, the law of contradiction is really important. It's very important in understanding how to know whether a law is just or not and whether or not you should follow it. And that's what the book of Galatians is about. See, I'm bringing this all up to build a context for you to understand why this book is so important and why Paul talks about rules and how we know whether a rule is just or unjust, how we know whether a law. Now, in chapter one, he pointed out that the first rule, don't ever forget your purpose in life. Do not forget your purpose in life. Because if you forget why you're here on the face of this planet, why you're a living, breathing soul that can think for yourself, okay, if you forget that, then guess what? Nothing else is going to fall into place in your life. Number two, uh, Pastor Harv pointed out last week on the law of non-contradiction is that you can either be conformed by God or you can be formed and conformed by the world. But you can't do both. You know, you have to kind of pick. And it's your choice, but you need to pick. Now, today what we're going to do is find someone who will speak the truth to you. Find someone who will say, here's the ultimate truth about life. And once you understand that ultimate truth about life, then that is what gives you the capacity to judge and understand and know whether laws are just or unjust. So let's jump in to Galatians chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. I'm going to kind of explain to you what's going on, and then we're going to apply it to our lives, okay? Now, last week, Pastor Harv talked about how there was a group of people that went to Galatia, and it upset the Galatians' faith because it's trying to make them believe two things that contradicted each other. And what they were trying to get them to believe was this. Is it Jesus who justifies you or following a religious law that justifies you? Now, you can't do both. You got to pick one or the other. So listen to what he's going on as he's saying to the Galatians, don't fall for the trap of trying to do both. Listen, in verse 11, he then says, I want to tell you about a little situation that happened uh, here in Antioch. So the people were in the churches of Galatia. Paul is down in Antioch. It's a city on the Mediterranean coast, okay? Now, when Cephas, Cephas is a nickname for the apostle Peter, okay? Now, when Cephas came to Antioch, so there's a church in Antioch. It's a really, really big church. There was a church up in Jerusalem. It was a really, really big church. Now, the thing is, the church in Jerusalem was mostly Jewish people, and the church in Antioch was mostly non-Jewish people or Gentiles. Okay. He says, now when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Oh my goodness. We're not talking about just anybody, a preacher from Jerusalem. We're talking about one of the 12 apostles. And we're not just talking about one of the 12 apostles. We're talking about the lead apostle, 
Peter. I mean, he's the big kahuna. I don't know how to say that in Greek, but I'm sure it's profound. I mean, the big kahuna. And what, what did Paul do? Paul opposes him to his face. For before certain men came from James, James was the lead pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and he was the half-brother of Jesus. He says, before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to this circumcision group. So he starts to practice segregation. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So what happened is there was this group of people from the Jerusalem church. They came down and they said, look, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to have to convert to Judaism first. And for guys, it was like, okay, first of all, you have to follow these dietary laws. Second of all, you have to follow this way of dressing. Third of all, you have to follow all of these feasts and dinners and lunches and junk like that, right? And so a lot of the guys were like, okay, I get my own uniform, you know, so I'm part of, that's kind of cool, you know, as long as I like, yeah, a, a food, I have to eat more food. That's not so bad, you know? And then he said, oh, and also you got to get circumcised. And most of the guys at that point said, okay, I'm out. <laughs> you, can you can totally understand why. Now, what's really interesting is that's the conflict. And Paul's saying these are two opposite ideas and you can't bring them together. Look at this, verse 14. This is a very important verse because look at what he says. When I saw that they were acting in line or they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas. So the first thing is, is you notice what you're doing is not consistent with what we're saying. See, the gospel says this, but you're living that way. And so what does he do? He says, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile. So you, you're a Jew, but you're living like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? In other words, you're not following them, but then these guys show up and now you're trying to make Gentiles through your actions follow stuff that you don't even follow. Now, how do you think the big kahuna responded to that? You think the big kahuna Peter was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I was there on the night that Jesus was crucified, right? And betrayed. You know, I did the denial thing, you know, but the cock crowed and I'm fine now. I, I preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. 5,000 people came to the Lord. Who do you think you are, Mr. I used to persecute the church, telling me, about the truth of the gospel. Is that what Peter did? No. Now remember, Galatians was written right before the first church council in Acts chapter 15. And in Acts chapter 15, listen to what Peter, the apostle, says to all the Judaizers, all the people who are trying to push this belief system. Look at what he says. He says, now then, why are you trying to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through what? The grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved 
just as they are. Look at what Peter says. He basically says the same thing that Paul said to him. Now, how in the world could he receive that? Because Paul was speaking the truth. He spoke truth. Look at verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. What does he mean by that? Well, what he means is this, is that it's that pesky little white strip. You're like, okay, where is the pastor going with that? You know, you walk around and you go, I have a really nice smile, right? My smile is nice. My teeth are looking good. And then you go to the dentist and then the dentist says, maybe you should whiten your teeth. And you're like, why would I do that? I have great teeth. And then he hands you this pesky little white strip, right? And you put it up next to your teeth and what do you do? Ew, I need some help. Well, that's what Paul says the law is. It's a pesky little white strip that shows you how yellow your soul has become. And listen to what he says. Now, what I love about this next verse, verse 20, is that this is what it means to be a Christian. In a nutshell, this is it. If you ever wonder, what does it mean to be a Christian? This is it right here, okay? This is what it says. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So all he's saying is that, you know what I do each and every day? I just realize, look, I'm going to die to myself. It's not me anymore because Christ died for me. He bought me with his blood. So each day I'm just going to get up and say, okay, Jesus, how are you going to live through me today? And then verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God in living this way. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So in other words, what Christ did, he did for me so that I might live for him. That's what the truth is of what it means to follow Jesus. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. So that leads us, though, to the third rule. And that is, is that how do I know I'm going to be living for Jesus? How do I know whether a rule is unjust or just, I better understand a simple truth. And that is, I need to find someone who will speak to me the ultimate truth. Now, I'm not talking about just truth, truth. I'm talking about the most important truth of all. You see, the truth that we're talking about is not, oh man, I figured out who shot JFK. That is not going to change your life, right? That's not the truth we're talking about. It's not the truth that, well, I figured out that uh, Einstein's uh, cosmological constant was flawed in his theory of relativity. Well, that might make you really smart, but that's not really going to change your life. You see, we're talking about the ultimate truth. What do I mean by that? Well, for just a second, I'd like to talk to every person who's under 30 years of age, whether you're at home doing church at home or whether you're here on campus. I'd like to just ask you a general question. And that is, why is it that your life is so hard? I mean, why is it that you feel that your life is upside down at times? 
Why is it that you live in the most affluent nation with the most affluent advanced technology in the history of the world, but in your generation, your people are more depressed, they're being treated for anxiety more than any other generation? Why is the suicide rate among your peers so high? Why is it that as you have lived in this society, you've been told that your sexuality and your expression of your sexuality is one of the most important things about you, that you should have the freedom to do whatever you want sexually, and yet your sexual relationships are so unfulfilling and depressing. Why is it that you feel like, why well, I can have sex with anybody I want, but when I do, I feel like I'm being used? by that other person? Why is it that you live in a society where you have every access more and more legally to every kind of drug to make you feel better than you could ever imagine? You can smoke all the dope you want now. All you got to do is drive over to Ontario, which is only 47 minutes away. People are like, really? I didn't know that. Oh, for crying out loud. You, you, you have all the alcohol you want, all the marijuana you want. You got some states now that are trying to, to legalize. Why is it that you have the access to all these things, but your life is filled with anxiety? Why is it that you're wondering why you're even here? Why is it that you can't find something to live for? Why is it so confusing in what to do with your life? Why is it that everything you try is, is unfulfilling and then you do it, you're really excited, and then after a while you don't want to do it anymore because you're bored? I'll tell you why. Because you've been lied to. You have been lied to over and over and over again. You have been lied to so much, you don't know what the difference between what a truth and a lie is. And I'm not talking about the lies about who killed JFK or how much butter you should put in your biscuits. I'm talking about the ultimate truth, and that is who you are. Who are you? When you strip it all away, who are you in your soul? And you don't know because you've been lied to. First, you were lied to in your public school system that said what you believe about yourself is irrelevant. There is no purpose in life. You're lied to constantly through the media. Everything that you read that you like and you think is cool. Hey, you'll be happy if you do this. Hey, you'll be happy if you think this way. Oh, you'll be happy if you try this. You try this, you try this, you try this, and it never turns out. Why is love so different? difficult? Why is uh, covenants with other people so difficult? Why is it that friends never stay loyal, family doesn't stay loyal, and the reason why is because you live in a culture that lies to you every single day. What you want is you want the truth. You need the truth. You're tired of a life that doesn't work, that doesn't fit, that doesn't make any sense to it because your soul is longing for that. You want truth because you know deep in your soul that there is a truth that has the power to change you. But it's not just any truth. It is the ultimate truth. And that ultimate truth has to do with who you are. You think you know, but you don't really 
No, because no one has ever stood up and said, this is the truth. Your society that has lied to you says, you know, the people that are telling you who you are and the people who are telling you, yeah, they all have agendas for your life. They all have an agenda for how you act and how you vote. They have an agenda for what you buy and what you don't buy and how you look and what you value. They have an agenda. But that one person who has no agenda for your life, no dog in your life hunt, stands up and starts talking about the truth. You're convinced that he's some nut job walking around in his underwear with a sandwich board on a corner in New York City. You're going, that guy's a wackadoodle. Of course he is. Of course he is. But I will be your wackadoodle. Because I don't have any agenda for your life. I don't have any dog in your life hunt. I just have the opportunity to tell you the truth. And the truth is, is that, the, that when it comes to authentic truth, this is the longing of your soul. This is the thing you really long for. This is the thing that brings a focus of your life into clarity. It is the thing that your soul is crying out for. It's the thing that allows you to look back on your life and say, I really messed that up. Yeah, I was not thinking right there. Yeah, that is so true, but that doesn't destroy me. I'm not locked in shame. I'm not locked in guilt. I can become a different person because somebody had the temerity to tell me the truth. And that's how I know that law over there is unjust. That's how I know that what the society tells me is not true. I know because someone told me the truth and that is what I long for. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter eight. He said, look, if you hold to my teaching." What is Jesus teaching? Is he trying to teach you the half-life of a new one? No. Is it, would he go through uh, Palestine teaching on the best nutritional tips to lower your cholesterol? No. You know what he taught? He taught, this is who you are when it comes to God and the condition of your soul. Now, if you hold to that teaching, then you're really following me. And when you follow me, guess what? You're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what sets you free. You want the truth. Your soul longs for the truth. The truth of this is who I really, really am. God, help me. And once you have this understanding of what your soul longs for and you pursue it, this becomes the most authentic adventure of your life. It is the thing that brings uh, clarity to your life. I'll tell you what, when I was growing up, uh, there was a song by John Cougar Mellencamp called Jack and Diane, and he sings it, the song. And I I'm going to sing the song for you because I think... I'm actually joking. Um, but in it, there's a line where he says that, oh yeah, life goes on even after the thrill of living is gone. Top 10 song. So many people feel that way. Do you honestly believe that is the point of your life? I got to figure out how once I get out of high school, <laughs> for life to go on because the thrill is gone. 
You know, there is a guy, a great writer, H.G. Wells, he's a science fiction writer, he was an atheist, and uh, he committed suicide. And when he committed suicide, you know what he said? I'm sick and tired of thinking reasons to get out of bed each day. I'm just sick of it. So he killed himself. That's not your life. That is not your life, friend. Your life was meant every moment to be infused with meaning and purpose. Your life, my friend, was meant that when you get up in the morning, you look and you say, God, what have you got going on today and what am I going to do to be a part of it? Your life was meant that every second of every day you were to walk in and experience the fullness of all the things that Paul talks to the Galatians about. Look at what he says, the fruit of this life, the fruit of this knowledge, the fruit of this truth that sets your soul free because it tells you who you are is all about love. The thing that you really want deep in your soul, not fake love, conditional love, transactional love, but unconditional, full love that comes from God. He wants to give you joy. Do you want to be a happy person? Do you want to be so happy that you make Pharaoh's happy look bland? Because you got so much happiness in there. Well, I'm going to say happiness twice as much as farewell in my life song. Why would you do that? Because you're meant for joy, happiness. You see, this adventure of who God says I am and living the way he has called me to live with him ultimately is the greatest adventure because it's about truth and who you are and what really makes you happy. The world lies to you constantly. Oh, this will make you happy. Oh, this will make you happy. Oh, this will make you really happy. Oh, this is super happiness. But it's just a lie. Over and over and over again. But if you want joy, if you want peace, if you want forbearance, you want kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. You want all of these things that are so awesome about life. They make life so full. It's an adventure of living. Is when men discover this, their lives come into focus. And they live for something bigger and greater and more blessed than they could ever imagine. But you know what it takes? It takes someone who is willing to share the truth. And that's, that's the rub, isn't it? And that leads me to my third point. And that's this, is that authentic mentors, people who really tell you the truth, they always point you to Jesus nowhere else. You know, so many people, they're like, well, you know what? You really need to think this way and do this so that you vote this way. You really need to, you really need to think this or be this type of person so you'll buy this music or wear these clothes or eat this kind of food right? Everybody has an agenda about your life, don't they? And everything they're sharing with you, you're kind of thinking, hmm, I don't know if I can really trust that. Well, look at what Paul said when he showed up to, to the Corinthians. He goes, look, when I came to you, guess what? I did not come with eloquence. I didn't come with eloquence. I'm not an eloquent person. I didn't come with eloquence. Guess what? I didn't come with human wisdom. I didn't say, well, I have a PhD in metaphysics and cosmology, and you should listen to me. He says, I didn't do that. I didn't make an appeal to authority. I claimed that I didn't know any of this stuff. I just told you the testimony about God. So he's talking about the ultimate truth, the truth that you need to hear. And that is the truth of God. For I resolved to know nothing. Zip, not a zilch. I knew nothing while I was with you, except 
The only thing that I claim to know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Those are the people that you need to listen to. You don't need to listen to people say, hey, follow and join this thing. So you'll vote this way and you'll buy these records and you'll buy these books and you'll do this and you'll do that and blah, 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 blah. And your life will be fine. What he's saying is something totally different. He says, look, I can only, I only know one thing is Jesus. This is one thing that I think is so unique about Foothills and why Foothills is such a great option is because we're not interested in telling you what to believe. I'm not interested in telling you what to think. I'm not interested in telling you to vote for. I'm not interested to tell you where to invest your dollars. I'm not invested. I don't really have any interest in that. The only interest I have is that I want you to know the real Jesus. I want you to meet the real Jesus. I want you to not only be introduced to him, but I want you to walk with him because I believe that when you know Jesus, you know the ultimate truth. And that is what your soul longs for more than anything else. That's what I desire. That's what Foothills desires for you and for all of you who listen is that you would know God and your life would be forever changed. My friends, your soul longs for truth. Find someone who is willing to speak truth without an agenda other than this is what God says about you. And when it comes right down to it, I, I just love you know, the way Pastor Harv drew the contrast and that is that you can... You can let the, the world define you. Can, you can be conformed to its image over here. But he just showed how insidious that is, how what it just doesn't ever, ever work. Or you can listen to what God says about you and believe it to be true and start walking in a new way that feeds your soul. Let's listen to Steve. This world has become a battleground for truth. If you've been searching for answers and are ready to submit to the authority of Christ, please let us help you take that next step. Or download the booklet, How to Connect to Jesus. Obey His command to be baptized by texting FH Baptism to 97000. Or seek God's will in prayer by texting FH Prayer to 97000. We'd love for you to join a community of believers here at Foothills. Just go to foothills.org slash groups to find yours. Or download the FH app and subscribe to our YouTube channel to explore the content and stay connected with the church. If you're at home, take a moment to go through the questions that will come on your screen. If you're here on campus, please stand for closing prayer. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.